If you've experienced a DNA surprise, you know that your emotions can range from shock to denial to grief to anger to confusion to joy and around again. And sometimes it's hard to find people who understand this unique experience. Sometimes we feel a little stuck as we navigate this journey. That's why we created the DNA Surprise Retreat. At the DNA Surprise Retreat, you'll enjoy six expert-led sessions to help you process your DNA surprise. You'll eat delicious catered meals, and most importantly, you'll build beautiful friendships with people who understand you, all in a stunning private ranch facility in the Arizona desert. If you've had shocking DNA test results, know that you're not alone. This retreat is for you. Join us September 19th through the 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Registration is open now. Reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there. I think I have my answers. I think I just wish I could tell them how this makes me feel and have them understand. I think I just want to be understood. Mm. But I did, when I had the one conversation with them, where I flew down to see them, and I basically trapped them in the living room and said, you need to sit here and listen to me, and then I won't talk about it anymore. And as I'm crying, I said, you have no idea. You need to understand that this really affects me, affects my life. That's embarrassing that I didn't know this about myself. You know, I consider myself accomplished, and I don't know that I'm 50%. You didn't know that being Jewish was a ethnicity. Would I have wanted to be Jewish? I don't know. Maybe. I'm not religious at all, but maybe I would have identified with that. So I think I want my mom and dad to just understand the trauma that this has caused me. You know, you want your mom and dad to understand you yeah. and to help you. Welcome to DNA Surprises, a podcast that delves into the world of unexpected DNA discoveries. I'm your host, Alexis Auersalt. In July 2021, my life took a surprising turn when I found out that I'm an NPE, a person who has experienced a non-paternal event. In other words, my biological father isn't who I thought he was. Join me as we explore the stories of NPEs, adoptees, and donor-conceived people and their families. Get ready to unravel the astonishing journeys that begin with a simple DNA test. This is DNA Surprises. In this week's episode, we delve into Barbara's DNA surprise story. Barbara grew up with a strong connection to her German heritage before discovering in her 50s, that she was donor-conceived and of Jewish descent. She discusses the challenges she faced, the shock she felt after her discovery, and the impact it had on her relationship with her parents and her sense of self. She also shares the joy she experienced in connecting with some of her half-siblings. Thank you for sharing your story, Barbara. My name is Barbara. I am from the Northeast. I currently live in New England. 
and I am 56 years old. I had to go back and look at the dates. I think it's been about four years now. So for Christmas, for fun, in 2018, my mother-in-law bought my oldest daughter a DNA kit. So she bought her an ancestry kit. And then my husband, not knowing what to buy me, bought 23andMe kit. It was kind of like the gift that year. You know, everybody was buying them. And we just kind of spit in the tube. And my husband's all Polish, his family, mostly Polish, Irish. And I grew up German and Irish. So thought that my mom's side was Irish, Scottish, and my dad's all German. So we send these tests off and my daughter's comes back first. And she's my oldest daughter. I think she at the time was 24, 25, something like that. And her results came back and said she was the biggest shock was 25% Ashkenazi Jew. And I'm looking at it saying, that makes no sense. I'm not Jewish. I was raised Lutheran and not religious at all now, but looking at it saying that doesn't ring a bell, just kind of put it aside and didn't even look at it again. Like so many people say that they do. Mm -hmm. Mine came back another week later and opened it up and it's 50% Ashkenazi Jew. And again, I'm like, what in the world? You know, where does this come from? How am I Jewish? It's just a strange thing. It's absolutely bizarre to me. And then the other half was, I guess, what you would expect. So we look at DNA relatives. And again, I look at mine. And there are so many second, third, fourth cousins, all with Jewish last names. And I just, it's kind of like being thrust into Alice in Wonderland. You're looking around going, where am I? Like, who are these people? I've never met any of them. Did you believe the results when you got them? Or were you thinking there was an error? What did you think? It's funny. I never thought that there was an error. I didn't go there. I don't think I ever not believed it. There was a name on my daughter's and mine as a, I think it's, what it said originally because we've adjusted the cms and now it says half niece and she was on my daughter's as must have been like a first cousin half first cousin whatever you would call it and mine so i messaged this young girl and that was like the first kind of step and she did get right back to me and said i'm trying to figure this out myself she said i bought a dna kit for christmas and she must have bought both of them or bought one and then quickly did the second one and she said, you know, my dad has such a small family, I wanted to learn more. And I'm like, well, I don't know either, but somehow we're related and we can't figure this out. And she threw out the same thing. It says I'm 25% Ashkenazi Jew. So that kind of started the whole thing. About a week later, I called my mom and I said, you know, mom, I took this DNA test and it says I'm Jewish. My dad is from a very German family. We actually owned a German bakery growing up. So everything I knew was German. Mm. And I said to her, is there any chance that they were like escaping the Holocaust and kind of called themselves German and not Jewish later on? And she kind of was very vague and said, oh, I don't know. Wow. Don't mention it to your father. She kind of really put me off. And I hung up and thought, okay, that was odd. But she said no. So, you know, I don't know. So my oldest daughter is very bright and she and I, she's like a dog with a bone and starts, you know, doing a lot of research on the internet. And there was another guy's name on there that she's like, mom, this guy looked in particular, like, like he doesn't quite belong. He's two years older than you. And he had a Jewish last name. And then there was only one person that was a close relative that had a full name. 
So I actually ended up getting in touch with her. So my daughter brings out her website and I look at her. She actually has her own website because she has a PhD and she's a doctor. She's a, a psychologist and she kind of looks like me. And my daughter's like, mom, and I'm very athletic. I run, you know, and I was, this is four years ago. I was still running a lot in my fifties. He was mom in her bio. It says she runs and, you know, and she looks like you mom. And I'm like, wow, that's really bizarre. I reached out to her and, you know, we end up talking. So my backstory is my mom and dad met when they were 16 in high school, small, small town in the Northeast, very small town. And they got married very young when they were 19 turning 20 and didn't have me till they were 23. So this is the 1960s and there was no reason for them to take birth control. So I knew that they kind of had a hard time having me. I also knew the story was always my mom almost died in the operating room. So the whole thing, like I knew being pregnant was difficult. They also have an adopted middle brother, which is so bizarre in the 1960s. And that was strange. And then I have a younger brother who's nine years younger than me. So I have a very odd, odd family. It just, the family never really went together, if that makes any sense. But again, this is the 1960s, 70s. I had no idea that, you know, there was a different way of making a family, even back then, other than the adoption. Mm -hmm. So so fast forward, I did get in contact with this woman, but it turns out she's my half-sister, she knew the story that she's a great psychologist and did not want to out it for me. Okay. She wanted me to figure it out myself and not, not in a rude way, just more in a, like a gentle way. So I got the idea that my parents must have done some sort of insemination and somebody must have stole my dad's sperm. That's where I went with this. <laughs> Which, oh, so I, I, so I'm trying to tell her that my dad might be her dad. Okay, so yeah, it's so interesting to me the mental gymnastics that we do, right? Of just exactly. trying to make it make sense, but also where it doesn't make us the NPE in the situation. No. Yeah. So, and again, Alexis, never in a million years did I think I was an MPE or donor conceived. I mean, so finally one day. I get to this point where it hits me. And I said, oh my goodness, I'm looking at the ancestry account. I see some of my mom's distance relatives and I walk in the house and I said to my husband and I go, oh my goodness. I go, my dad's not my dad. That's what it is. I didn't see one ancestral name on my relatives that belonged to my father. And I, I just, I was so in shock. I, I just couldn't believe it. So, you know, another going back to the backstory again, my mom's whole side of the family are very curvy women. They all have boobs and they have hips and they have kind of thighs and they're, you know, just curvaceous. I am, I've always been a stick. My, my dad's tall and lanky. So my go-to was always, I look like my dad. You know, did I look like my dad? Not really. Mm. We both have sharp noses, but other than that, He's just kind of thin and I was thin. So, you know, I just assumed again, like you said, where your mind goes to this, I just assumed I look like my dad. It's, it's just so strange to me now that I was so wrong, you know, when that realization hits you and you go, my dad is not my dad. My dad how are you right. feeling when 
That hits. Sickening. It was sick. Because again, Alexis, this is, I just can't wrap my head around my, and I say uneducated with love. They didn't go to college. My uneducated parents went to, it turns out, went to New York City for a sperm donation. Like, who does that in the 1960s? Like, how could that even come about? I I was so in shock. I couldn't believe that this happened. So, you know, you fast forward a little bit. So I'm putting the pieces together because, again, I knew my mother brushed me off. And I knew it wasn't something I was going to go back to her. So, you know, I walked into my husband said, oh, my God, my dad's not my dad. And I must be Jewish. You know, they must have used someone Jewish. So, again, that name that I told you before that was two years older than me. I put it together. He and I, he had a tree on Ancestry and he and I are related. And one of his, I don't know, cousins was also one of my cousins. And that's kind of what put it all together. He was actually very gracious. I end up getting in touch with him. He's a psychiatrist. So I have all these, again, I'm from a blue collar family with all these professional half relatives. Um, I end up talking to him. He was very kind. He goes, I had no idea. This was actually his father that he was raised with that I said to him, I think your dad is my biological father. And he goes, I don't know. You're going to have to prove it to me. And I said, well, here is your second cousin or your first cousin. And she's my second cousin. Why would that be? And he goes, wow, I need to think about this. So his dad is deceased, died years ago. And he said, you know, I could see my dad doing that. He might have given sperm back in the day. So I had two sons. And I think as an OBGYN resident in New York City, the world was so small. You didn't advertise that you were doing this. It was a fertility clinic, which I later found out from my parents, that it just had started. And I think it was a word of mouth thing that they would call a doctor hey, I have somebody coming in at noon today. Can you come in? And I think this that this other guy, I can call him E, it was his dad, that that was my donor. You quickly realized that you were donor conceived. Before you made that connection, did you wonder, like, did your mom have an affair or anything like that? Or were you instantly like, I was, I was donor conceived? Never, ever, ever thought my parents had an affair. We've been married sixty years next year. Never, ever, ever went there. Never thought that. Wasn't even a thought to me that my mom had an affair. So you you put the pieces yes. together. You connect with your, technically your half-brother, right? And yes. yeah. Yeah. he says, okay, that, that sounds about right. Must be it. At, right. at what point do you go to your parents and say, I figured this out? So then maybe this is the spring of 2019. And as I'm talking to E, he says to me, let me send you some pictures of my dad. And, you know, you can see all these pictures. So I have three children. My youngest looks nothing like my husband. Absolutely nothing like my husband. She looks like me, but I can't put my finger on who she looks like. And I've said to my mom over the years, I think my, my youngest daughter, she looks like. And my mom would always say, no, I don't know. Just kind of brushing me off, brushing me off. And he sent me these pictures and it was like a Saturday morning. I remember it so clearly. I get up in the morning, wake up, look at my phone and I have a bunch of pictures and I open the picture of his dad, my biological father. 
and my daughter looks exactly like him. And I, that's, you know, you say that you have the emotional moment. Mm -hmm. I think you said when you left your meeting, your bio dad, you came home and he was just like lost it basically. Yes. That was, that was my moment. I cried and cried and cried for an hour or two. And I hadn't had any tears really until then, but there's something about being a mom and looking at your daughter and she looks exactly like this man you've never met. It was Mm. awful. So awful. I ended up making myself sick. I ended up having colitis that summer. I did all this testing, ended up having a a blood clot that went to my bowel. I mean, that's like a lot of information maybe you don't need. I completely know that it was from stress because I am a very healthy person. I had no stomach issues, nothing wrong with me. It was absolutely from stress. And again, I hadn't talked to my parents. I'm doing this all myself. I knew my parents wouldn't take it well. So you know, all that's going on. So my youngest looks exactly like the donor in between. I'm talking to the half sister that I've come to love the one that had her full name on my site. And so I'm fleshing this all out myself. It took another year before I told my parents. And the reason is that my dad is a sweetheart. He's a super, super nice guy. Quiet. He's got a gentle heart. And he's very simple, not well-educated, worked in this bakery as a baker his whole life. And he's just simple. So I really, really didn't know how to approach this. But on the other hand, I'm so angry. And it's inside of me being so angry. I stick out my family. I don't know. I know other people have said that a lot. My All my cousins, maybe two went to college out of 12. And not only did I go to a prestigious college, I ran division one track. And I also then got my MBA at another great school, married a guy who's professional athlete. Like we, we just have this incredible kind of life story did not fit in. He's been telling me my whole life, where do you come from? You just don't fit into this family. That's always struggling for money that there's always something going on. And he, he always said to me, you just don't fit in. So again, I don't want it. My parents are so simple. I didn't know how to approach it with them until finally we had another issue. And I, in an email, I said to them, and I know that, you know, I'm, you used a sperm donor. So my mom actually called me after I wrote this terrible email to them. Mine wasn't so much terrible. It was just saying that, you know, I knew what you did. I'm so upset about it. And all this other stuff is kind of coming out because of that. So she did call me. I've had two conversations with them. And that is it in three and a half years. They don't want to talk about it. But the story goes that they couldn't get pregnant. They got married when they were 19, turning 20. And didn't get pregnant for years, which, you know, back in the 60s, that wasn't acceptable. She went to her family doctor and the family doctor said, I know of a clinic that's opening up in New York City and you could basically go see them. So it's awful. I don't know how much you know about the donor conceived industry back then, but they told my dad, it's really kind of laughable. You'll giggle when you hear this. They told him he went with her and he gave a sperm donation and they mixed it, quote unquote, Mm. with someone else's sperm. 
and you were supposed to go home, have sex again, and not know if you got pregnant, you close the book and you assume it's yours. That basically was what happened. They had, from what I know, no clue who they used for a donor. They didn't know he was Jewish. They didn't know anything about him, didn't know his health history. You know, I am like such a deep thinker. It disturbs me to no end that this is the way the industry was, that I don't know what's inside my body. I don't know who I come from. It's awful. Absolutely awful. Wow. That's a lot. Right? Yeah. It's a lot. That's a lot to take in. And right. that that sort of dismissal about, yeah, the, the weight of it is mind-blowing. I mean, they, you know, they said, I'm sorry, because I was crying. You know, I actually flew down. They don't live near me to talk to them. And I was in tears trying to describe what this has been like for me. You know, I said, I, here I am, an accomplished, I own my own business. I have a lot of big things in my life. And I don't know this about myself. Interestingly enough, people have always assumed I was Jewish. A lot of people in college, because we had, a, I think we had a big Jewish community at the college I went to, would ask me, you're Jewish, you're from the Northeast, you look Jewish. And I'm like, no, I'm not. So your parents... Do you still talk to them regularly, but you don't talk about this? Or have you only talked to them three times since this happened? No, 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 no. We have reestablished a, um, an arm's length relationship. I've always been the parent in the family. I don't know why. I tell this story a lot because it's a great cocktail dinner story. You know, when, when it comes up or people say, what's your nationality? My husband rolls his eyes and he's like, okay, you know, are you seated? Wait for this story. You know, people are always like, you should be on Dateline or 2020. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, you know, going back again, I felt like the black sheep. So again, my parents are very simple. They own this family business or my grandparents did. And I was always just very bright, you know, not knowing where it was from. It was kind of played down in my family. No one paid any attention to it. I graduated second in my class. I had a guidance counselor. I was the first in my family to go to college. I had a guidance counselor that helped me go to prestigious university. I also was a division one athlete. I'm like, always felt so odd. And then on top of that, had so much guilt. So financially successful. My parents still really, really struggle for money. So I've always been kind of supporting them, helping them out. I've had this very guilt-laden adulthood of being the successful one in the family and not understanding there's a reason for it. So I always felt guilty for that. You know, like maybe I did more than they were ever able to do. And I don't know why, but I've had a ton of guilt about that my whole entire life. And then the struggle with, how much do you help them? What do you do? It's not my husband's fault that they mismanage money and haven't taken care of things. That's been the one silver lining to kind of come out of this is now I know that I don't have the same DNA that they have. It makes me feel a lot better inside, if that makes any sense. My parents can't deal with it. My dad is, and and this is where I blame my dad a lot. My husband forgives my dad because he's like, listen, he's simple. He can't go there. My problem with him is it's all about him. It's about his shame as a man back in the 60s, not being able to have children. And I look at it like, okay, let's forget about you for a second, dad. And my dad's almost 80. So, you know, it's hard. 
but I'm like, dad, this is about me. It's not about you. You know, you did this. It's not shameful anymore. It is what it is. But I'm the one that has to with this. It's, it's awful. I mean, I, I hear that, you know, that, that there would definitely be a stigma for him being the quote reason, right. For the infertility and probably like shame associated with that. Shame. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what about your mom? My mother buries things under the rug. She just, if it, if she cannot talk about it and it can go away, that's been my whole entire life. So she faced it for the 45 minutes that I made them talk about it. And then she never wants to talk about it again. No one has ever asked me, how are you doing with this? What does it mean to you in your life? I don't mention it. I'm going to see my half-sister later this week. I won't tell them. I just kind of blend the whole trip together because I'm going to see my daughter too. And, you know, I just don't talk about it. I know it's not something that they want to talk about. It hurts my feelings as well because I, I see that my dad maybe can't handle it as kind of a simple older man now. My mom, I would have wished that she had pulled me aside and had like a mom daughter type of talk and said, listen, this is what we did back in the day. I'm not sure if you are dads or not, because after this, it came out, she said, we thought you were ours. And I said, okay, but I'm laughing going, really, I look nothing like them. And then the other part of that too is I mentioned before my parents, while they were trying to figure out a way to get pregnant, put in for an adoption. That ended up coming through. That's in the works for years. So I have an adopted brother who's three years younger than me. And then my mom wanted another natural baby. She wanted a, you know, I respect that. So they went and did fertility again when I was nine years old. And I clearly remember them going for fertility treatments, but I didn't know what that meant back in the day. So they did the same thing, but very secretively. And the funny thing is my younger brother was nine when I left the house. We're not very close. We are so different. He looks really Jewish. And the funny thing is another Jewish donor, you would think that, you know, things would change nine years later. They didn't. He also has a Jewish doctor as a, a donor. And he so again, the one thing that really stands out in my family, my mom and dad have piercing light blue eyes. They're like, again, German. I guess my mom would be Scottish, Irish. They both have really light blue eyes. I've had kind of greenish gray eyes, which I just kind of said, ah, they're like my parents. Again, I'm not a scientist. Yeah. You know, I, I think if I knew more science, I would have figured this out. My youngest brother has murky brown eyes. It's the funniest thing now. And about 20 years ago, I must have been reading an article on eye color and genetics. And I came home and said to my husband, do you think my brother is theirs? And he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. He has really brown eyes. Again, you said we believe what we're told. It's never told anything differently. There was no inkling that there was anything done. It was such a secret. It was unbelievable. So me, my youngest brother, and my adopted brother, obviously. But right. none of us are my dad's. And so when my mom is revealing this finally, and she said, we thought you were ours. And I said, but mom, Jay looks nothing like you. Why in the world? You knew he wasn't yours. And she goes, I know. So oh. I'm thinking to myself, well, if you knew my youngest brother wasn't yours, you kind of, she very easily 
shuts her mind off and just doesn't go there. Yeah. How did your brother receive that? So, again, we're really different. He's on a second marriage with two young kids. I think he just doesn't have time for it. I think he just doesn't want to. It's funny, though, he didn't have to figure it all out, which I think lends so much trauma to me that I had to dig and figure all this out. I sent him the DNA kit. I couldn't stand it. I called him up and said, this is what I found out. I don't think your dad's either. I want you to take a DNA test because there's a lot of diseases that the Ashkenazi Jews carry. I took a genetic test because we carry heart disease. We carry breast cancer. I'm just so mortified by this whole thing. My brother's remarried to a younger woman with two new kids. And I'm like, she should know that diseases might pass through the family because of our heritage that we knew nothing about. And did he take the test or was he did? He took, yeah, he took the DNA test. He hasn't done any genetic testing, but he's got a whole family. They reached right out to him. And I think that's the difference in in ages too, that he's nine years younger than me. That's a whole, a whole half sibling family that all have a chat together and they were hoping to get together for some sort of reunion, but then COVID occurred. So he's never met any of them, but his process has been so much easier than mine. You said your brother, he found half-siblings and they tried to connect. You found at least two half-siblings. I have 10. You have 10. Um, Okay. Again, so disturbing, Alexis. It disturbs me to no end. So I think I'm up to 10 donor conceived half siblings and he had two uh boys of his own they have like five girls five boys half siblings a couple of them do not want to know anything about it they they know that they don't want to like my brother they just don't care they like their own families they don't want to go there it's super interesting the different feelings on a really fun note i won't name names but you and i can talk after Mm -hmm. i have a half sibling that is the child of an extremely famous actress extremely famous actress and it's not public i reached out to her because her name her um she has a pseudonym on the ancestry page that i was able to find on another website and had her real name and i'm googling it and i'm like oh my goodness that's her mother and it's not public she grew up thinking her father was a different jewish doctor who was an older man and so i think when she got her results she probably just looked at the ethnicity and she was like yeah that makes sense so when i reached out to her i reached out to her a few times she just doesn't want to believe it but she and i look so much alike and that's so disturbing so again, I've never looked like anyone in my family. And now all of a sudden, I have all these people I look like. Again, another thing that I think it's so interesting, all 10 of us, the ones I know about anyway, I half probably have PhDs or are medical doctors. The other half are all successful. And again, you know, I joke with my husband all the time that it's so nice to meet a half sibling and not have to pay for dinner. Uh. <laughs> That's always been my experience with my family. As you know, if we go out, our credit card's always the one that's getting whipped. That's just a sticking thing with me that's been so interesting. Yeah, that you found these people who you all grew up, for the most part, I imagine, like separately. I don't know if there's any sibling pods. And then all have these similar life experiences and 
you know, you're all intellectual. And so have you, I think you mentioned that you were going to meet a half sister. Yeah. So this one half sister, the first one I found was like, like finding a puzzle piece in my life. When I met this first half sister, I talked to her on the phone and she goes, Barbara, she goes, Barbara, I've always wanted a sister. And, you know, I could have cried because I've never had a sister. And she and I, a few years ago, met in Chicago for a weekend, and we did not stop talking. And we are built absolutely the same. Like I said, she runs. She's intellectual. She gets me. I absolutely adore her. I've seen her four times, maybe. She lives on the other coast, so that's a little difficult. But she and her husband actually came out to meet with my husband and I. We got along great. We, the two of us now, are going to meet the newest half-sister, who is also a doctor, this weekend. So I'm really excited. She's two years older than us, which makes me a little nervous, because we are all 56, and this one sister is 58, which makes me think my donor either donated a couple times and then stopped for a while, or I might have 100 siblings out there. It's really mm. disturbing. So I'm in touch with two male half-siblings and then these two other women. And that's it. The other one, the famous actress daughter, doesn't want anything to do with anything. And some people you can't find because they use just a first name and they're hard to, you know, locate. But every, you know, six months to a year, another one pops up. So it's really interesting. How do you feel when you see another one pop up? Now I feel the more the merrier. I'm fine with it now. I think it's a little disturbing, though, that I think the industry disturbs me that there was no controls, that this guy probably, from what I've read about it, made $20, $25 every time he gave a sperm donation, which I've read is several hundred dollars today. So he was supplementing his income. Another really interesting fact that I'm so grateful I kind of grew up with the dad I have because my sperm donor's actual son says he wasn't the greatest guy. He was a narcissist, extremely intelligent. He was part of Mensa, which I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah. And back in the day, it was like a high IQ society. Mm-hmm. Very bright guy, loved to read. Um, it explains so much. I'm not walking around saying I'm part of Mensa, but I've just always been very academic again, in a family that that wasn't thing. And I asked this guy too, I'm like, was your dad athletic? And he said, you know, he didn't play an organized sport, but he was always on the basketball court or playing tennis or something like that. So I think so much of me came from this donor that I've never met, which is so bizarre. With this brother that you found that, that it was his, yes. you know, raised his son. actual son. Yeah. Yes. Have you established any sort of relationship with him or was it more like you got the information and then moved on? It's a little quirky. For instance, I asked him for some more pictures for this weekend. I've asked him three times and he hasn't gotten back to me. I actually had breakfast with him once when I was in the town that he was in and we chatted. I don't think we'll have a real relationship. He thought it was amusing that he had sisters because he never grew up with sisters. But the pictures he shows me, he's like, he even said to me recently, he goes, I saw your picture on Facebook. You look just like my aunt, my dad's sister. I have this really bizarre, kind of frizzy, girlyish hair that I'm always constantly trying to straighten. I never knew where this hair came from. And I look just like 
his dad's sister. She has the same hair. And then the sister I'm going to meet this weekend also has the same hair. And the actress's daughter also has the same hair. It's a, an interesting, bizarre thing. Yeah. Uh, so as you mentioned at the beginning, you didn't realize that there kind of was this infertility industry back when you no. were conceived. Have you since yes. connected with other people who are around your age and share this experience? Or how are you connecting with others? Right. Um, there's uh, Facebook groups. So, you know, interestingly enough, the first one I found was donor conceived, DNA, donor conceived. I never found the NPE ones, which is why I wrote to you to say, hey, my story is so different. I assumed everybody who found out was donor conceived. I never, it never occurred to me that people had dads because they were cheating or something or just covering up some crazy story. Yeah. So uh, I've just found Facebook groups, not, you know, I've never gone to any groups. It's a very isolating, emotional, deep trauma that I am, I feel very alone with. I can talk to my half-sister when I see her, but she's far away and we're on different time zones. I saw a therapist for a while. I know a lot of people rec recommend that, and she was really helpful. She wasn't versed in any kind of donor-conceived or adoption type of issues, but she was gentle, and she kind of made me look at the situation with my mom and dad and and basically said, what's radical acceptance? You need to accept them or not accept them. You know, it's your choice to accept them, but she was really helpful. So that's kind of how I dealt with it. But, you know, I have a very, very hard time. You know, you said in yours, my husband's my rock. My husband is my rock. I know he's not going anywhere, but he doesn't understand. Mm. So, um, you know, that's hard for me. I feel like people are sick of me talking about it. Yeah. You mentioned growing up that your family owned a German bakery. Um, yeah. And I think... You know, a lot of people in the United States, I, I can speak for myself, uh, that, you know, the quote-unquote white side of me is like German, Irish, yes. British Isles. I don't have a strong connection to that, you know, but you did yeah. have a strong connection to your German heritage. I did. How have you shifted as a result of this ethnic shift? Do you still feel tied to your German, uh, not ancestry, but just yes. the roots in which you were, were raised? And how are you connecting with right. the Jewish side? No, I don't at all. I feel um, like nothing, if that makes any sense. Mm. I don't feel like anything, which is really sad. I don't feel any ties to the German other than, you know, knowing that I had these grandparents that came from there. But yeah, you lose such a part of yourself. Going back again, I think deep down my parents knew you know, I was never brought up with a family that said, oh, you look like grandma or your nose is so-and-so's or, wow, you got that hair from your aunt. And I think deep down, I knew something wasn't right, but I couldn't put my finger on it. So again, I grew up with this German heritage, but um, I don't think I internalized it very much. So even now, I feel Jewish. I think I identify with it, but do I really have a deep down feeling for it? No. And I kind of feel a little bit cheated, honestly. Mm. What's next for you? Do you think you'll look more into that or where are you at with it? Um, I think I'm too old to do that. That sounds sad, but I'm in my mid to late fifties, 
No, I think I have too much else going on in my life. What's next for me would just be exploring. I am just thrilled to meet this new sister this week. And my one sister that I'm going out to see, I have so much more in common with her. I'm close to a cousin or two on my mom's side of the family. You know, other than them, I just, I don't identify with anybody in my entire family. And it's so funny to meet people who right away, you're like, oh my God, I feel you. I am you. You know, you're what I've been looking for my whole life. So, you know, if there's a silver lining, that is it. It's it's wonderful. It's the best thing ever to have these, especially this one woman in my life and then hopefully this other one. I always ask this when I speak with donor-conceived people because I think it's really important to center your voices when we talk about donor conception in the fertility industry. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on any changes that should be made or what you th- would say are you know best practices for a parent who may be considering using a, a donor. Right. You have such mixed feelings. Um, you know, as a woman, I loved being pregnant and my heart goes out to anybody who can't get pregnant and perhaps has to use a donor. I think I'm all about a lot of regulation, um, a, definitely a limit on how many they can have as I'm staring at, you know, there could be a hundred half siblings out there in this world that I might've met and dated back in the day, who knows, um, you know, cause we, a lot of us were in the kind of tri-state area there. Yeah. Um, so I'm all for regulation and so I'm not against it, but I think no secrecy. I mean, there just can't be secrecy. It's awful. It's an awful thing. Mm-hmm. You touched on some of this earlier, but I just want to make sure that I give you the space here. You said you wish that your parents really understood how you felt, and you talked a lot about how it felt to discover that you were donor-conceived. Can you talk more about that? What does being donor-conceived mean for you? I think for me, it's that I don't know this person, and my parents didn't choose him. It was such a random act. He could have been a guy on the street who was available and wanted to make $25. It's that's the part that being donor conceived that really bothers me. Maybe if I was a child in the last 20 years where I know some parents who picked their donor and there was a reason and he has a name and you have a background for me being donor conceived means I don't know where I came from. I don't know what traits he had, I'm relying on his son to tell me, and I'm lucky enough that I even have that. But, you know, I think being donor conceived just means, especially in the time that I grew up, not knowing anything about myself. And it's just very disconcerting. You know, I can't rely on anything I've been told in the past about what I thought was true. You you feel a drift. I feel like I'm a, a boat drifting out in the ocean, if that makes any sense. My half-sister that I'm super close with now, her feelings, and she's a therapist, a psychologist, and she is not nearly as traumatized as I am. And the reason is that her parents told her about 10 years ago, her dad was feeling guilty and actually wrote her a letter and said, this is what we did back in the day. You know, you're not ours. Her discovery, so much less traumatic than mine. She was actually very grateful that her dad told her she forgives her mom because they did eventually tell her and her mom was just protecting her dad. 
So that was one piece that I think the way I found out, I do have another half brother that I am in contact with who was also extremely angry. His dad died and never told him and they ran a business together. And he said that effing guy basically looked me in the eye every single day for the last 40 years and never told me this. What advice do you have for a parent who is keeping a DNA surprise from their child? I've listened to you say this to everyone and I agree. I think maybe there was one person who said you don't have to tell them, but we are going to find out. The new generations are going to find out. They're going to have cancers and they're going to do you know, genetic testing. Tell them. It's so unsettling. If my parents had told me Years ago, I would have, it would have been part of my story. You know, I would have gone through the the angst years and years ago, not when I was in my 50s, when it was just so much more difficult. So you have to tell them, you know, honesty is always the best. Secrets are terrible. I firmly believe that. Yep. And what advice do you have for someone who just found out that their donor conceived? I think it's slow. It's so complex. And it's not going to be all good. It's not going to be all bad. I would say do your research, join your Facebook groups, do your reading, listen to the podcasts, and put your story together. I think another person had said, think before you act. You know, don't make those rash phone calls. And just take it slow and be very forgiving of yourself. It's so emotional. Like I said before, I wish I had had more help. I didn't know there were communities out there. And that's really what's so hard. I thought I was the only one and had so much stress that somehow I had some mysterious clot form in my body. And I don't want that to happen to somebody else. So you need to talk to somebody, know that there's a lot of other people out there like you, and just take a lot of deep breaths. I will say there are silver linings and, you know, not everybody, I know a lot of people are searching for those half siblings and it doesn't always happen, but if you find them, there could be some great silver linings to the story. And that's kind of what I tell myself every single day. Thank you for sharing that. Barbara, thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your, you're right, very unique donor conceived story. I'm so glad that you've been able to connect with your half-sisters and that that's going well. And I hope that things just continue um, progressing and that you find more and more peace with your story. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks again to Barbara for sharing her story. If you have a DNA surprise that you'd like to share, please submit your story at dnasurprisespodcast.com. Until next time. <laughs>